Welcome in everyone to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with Matt and David. Today we are going to be bringing you our Division Series recap and then look ahead to the Championship Series, which has already started, break down the few games that have already been played, give our predictions for it. Uh, but before we get to all that, Matt, how you doing this week? My team didn't do so good, but, um, you know, I, it's been a good week anyways. Went to a wedding on Saturday. That was always fun. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a good week so far. Looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, I had a I had a good birthday last week and uh, spent the whole weekend in the, in the city of Chicago. Took Friday off. Really nice little weekend there, so. Uh, my week was good. Get to get to pay attention to a little baseball, though, of course, and you know, watch some of these playoff predictions go in. And uh, I think we were—I was wrong on a bunch of them, <laughs> except for the Astros. I've been—I've been riding the Astros, so we're we're gonna keep going with that. Damien, how'd you do this week? I did all right. Um, you know, just kind of hanging out, watched my team lose, which we'll talk about here. So that wasn't. Uh, a really fun part, and then my uh, my starting quarterback for the NFL got hurt. He's out for the year now, so that's obviously not fun either. But you know, moving along, uh, wanted to try and get an episode out before the uh, championship series started, but had some stuff come up for that one. So sorry about that. But um, looking forward to to talking about these series that have happened, and then the the championship series because from a few games we've already seen it, they're going to be electric um, moving forward. So. Uh, let's go ahead and start in the American League. And you guys saw we did the live stream last week of the last um, last game between Texas and Baltimore. Obviously, Texas ended up sweeping that series. They moved on, so they were waiting to see what the outcome of the Astros and Twin series was going to be. And I believe last time when we were talking about that, it was one one, I believe. And the the Ash the Twins game was being played. Um or the Astros twins game was being played, I believe, or maybe game three happened that day. Um, but ended up that Houston ended up winning game four, um, three to two, uh, back in Minnesota and basically taking that series from the twins. Uh, it was a really fun series. The first two games, uh, the first game had some real back and forth. Uh, game two was, it was all right. Game three was more of a blowout. And then game four was pretty much a nail biter down to the end. But, um, you know, what do we think overall about the the Astros twin series, Matt? Yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, you know, they both uh, both teams played fairly well in the series. I think they pitched well. Um, I was a little disappointed. You know, I, I, I thought that Sonny Gray would come out and have a better start in Game Three, but he kind of got knocked around a bit. Uh, but the the Twins were able to hold their own. And, and to be honest, both teams kind of looked like they have all year. Um, the Twins, you know, they strike strike out a ton, and their offense is inconsistent. The pitching's been really good, and that kept them in all the games, um, except for, I think, game three, which which was the one that they lost pretty big. Uh, and then, um, you know, Houston just kind of does Houston things in that series where, you know, I, they're a pretty well-balanced team. They're kind of good across the board. Uh, pitching was, was pretty solid. The hitting was pretty solid. Um I mean, they they've got a great bullpen. I mean, they just did they just did what they do in the postseason. They've been doing it for years, and I think this is what eight straight uh, championship series or seven straight, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, to go to seven straight championship series, they haven't lost in the NLDS in years. So uh, definitely an interesting, um, definitely interesting to to see. So. Yeah, David. What did you? Uh... Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Good. I, I uh, yeah, I, I can't believe they pitched to Jordan Alvarez as much yeah. as they did. <laughs> right. That that was maybe the biggest mistake the Twins made all series. Uh, I think Jordan had four home runs in the series, so you know he he is just otherworldly in terms of uh, in terms of a playoff hitter, right? I mean, he sealed the World Series against the Phillies last year, uh, and then this year he you know he comes in and he's. He's kind of had a down year compared to last year. I think his WRC plus was only in the 150s, um, and you know had gotten hurt, missed some time in the regular season. But uh, you know Jordan Alvarez proving that I think that contract that he signed um, before this season the, for the 115 million dollar extension with the Astros, I think that's an underpay by a lot. Um, you know, or sorry, he had a 170 WRC plus this year, but it was still 
under what he did in 2022. And yeah, he has six playoff home runs already. <laughs> so got a 347 WRC plus through, uh, through all the games he's played so far. You know, he, he really carried the Astros through the series. And Jose Altuve was, is really struggling right now. And, um, you know, the rest of those, those Astros hitters are not doing a whole lot, but, you know, you know, Jordan has been so dominant and so damaging that the twins pitching really couldn't recover. And so, you know, every time he came up, I was like, man, you got to give him the bonds treatment. I don't know what's going on. And um, yeah, the, the twins end up, you know, losing the series in four and, um, you know, as much as, you know, I wanted to see like Carlos Correa, Royce Lewis get a chance there, you know, they only really got it in one game and the Astros pitching was able to shut down that twins offense. Yeah, it was kind of just the typical Astros, um, you know, just kind of bludgering the teams the, the in game two and three, really. And then game four was just a, a well-pitched game on both sides that um, Houston was able to just kind of pull out of at that one. And, and really just move on. I think most of us and most of people um, expected Houston to, to move on here. So it wasn't really a big shock. Uh, but Minnesota did show some fight, which I was uh, was pretty impressed with. Um, so I think they're they're going to be have a bright future here looking forward. But um, so that basically set up the American League side to be the, the showdown of Texas, uh, the Rangers versus the Astros, which we'll go ahead and talk about that one here in a little bit. But let's jump over to the National League side, which Matt and I are both dreading talking about this side of it here. Um, and we'll go ahead and, and start with my misery first. And that is with the uh, with the Diamondbacks sweeping Los Angeles going in and um, just pure out bludgering and, and embarrassing Clayton Kershaw in game one, scoring six runs in uh, in the first inning. I think he only got one out there. Um, and then in game two, they just started off really hot too. got three runs against Bobby Miller in the first inning as well. Um, just punched them really in the mouth and just took the crowd absolutely out of it in both of those games um, in LA. And then they move on to Arizona and you got a good first three innings between Brandon Fott and Lance Lynn. There, there's a couple opportunities on both sides, but really nobody was given all that much. And then I think it was in the fourth inning. Um, Lynn just gave up, I believe it was four solo homers in that inning alone. And uh, which had kind of been the story of his season anyways. Um, and Arizona just rode that to, uh, to taking the series and kind of shocking the shocking the Dodgers without even being able or without them even be able to, uh, to get a game from them. But um, flat out embarrassing for my side as a fan, just, it was a pure letdown, but um, you know, outside looking in Matt, how was, uh, how was it from a unbiased perspective? Um, From an unbiased perspective to me, I just, I felt like going in, even the, the Dodgers pitching staff was going to be a problem because, um, and a lot of it's injury related, Um, you know, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he's, I know that his numbers tip, you know, weren't, were pretty good down the stretch of the season, but his stuff was had obviously taken a step back, and he was not touching ninety with the fastball, and it was just it was pretty obvious like his stuff just wasn't there. Um, and he did a phenomenal job fighting through it for for a while there in the into the regular season, but once you get into a playoff environment, it's going to be difficult to play with with your stuff being that you know that far diminished from what it used to be or what it was even at the beginning of this year. Uh, which is 100% injury related, um, but you know I was kind of surprised that he didn't get more rest in the second half of the season. It seemed like they were kind of trying to keep him working through it, but they were limiting his innings. While it just I don't know I, I didn't love how they managed the, the injury to Clayton Kershaw this year, but uh, and of course they probably know more about it than I do what exactly what the nature of the injury is and everything. But um, that was uh, you know I, and and then you look at. Um, you look at the um, the in, in game two. I mean, Bobby Miller. You're, he's he had a really good season, but you know he's a rookie, and sometimes rookies in the playoffs, it's just they're not ready for it. You know, the the whole intensity is different, and you could kind of tell that he came out in the first inning, walked some guys, gave up some hits, got behind in the count. You know, wasn't wasn't great, uh, and then um, we um, and then you look at game three. I mean, Lance Lynn. The fact that the Dodgers had to you know, got to the point where Lance Lynn was getting a 
playoff start was rough. I mean, and because he's been bad all year, it, it he reminds me as a, in a, his career path a lot of James Shields, where he was a really good pitcher for a long time. Uh, you know, had high strikeouts and and you know not a ton of walks. And then you know when he gets up in his career, he's still throwing all these strikes. But the stuff's just not quite as good as it was, and he's just getting absolutely shelled with home runs. And that's what happened to him this year. And four home runs in an inning is insane, regardless of who's pitching. Uh, but that was really rough. And um, I think the Dodgers also, you know, offensively, just I mean, it's kind of been a problem in the in the postseason the last few years for for Mookie Betts. I mean, he's what, like, I think he was like three for 40 or something in his last three postseasons dating back to 2021. So, um, like that's, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain that. I mean, I don't think Mookie Betts is a guy who for, for most of his career, he wasn't like a postseason choker or anything like, you know, I don't, I don't know what's happened to him. I think it's probably getting, getting in his head a little bit now. And, um, you know, and then you look at the rest of the Dodgers lineup and down the down the board, um, you know, it was just kind of guys who, you know, it's that, that platoon stuff works really well in the regular season. But the amount of platooning they do when the bullpens start coming in constantly in the postseason, um, sometimes you can burn your bench up really fast. And we saw it a couple times for the Dodgers where like Colton Wong was getting an at bat with the game on the line. Like we saw it in game. And we'll talk about the Braves in a minute. We saw it in game four for the Braves too, where they ended up with Vaughn Grissom making the last out of the season. Um, so a little bit of that. Um, and I don't necessarily blame Dave Roberts for the moves that he made with the bench. Um, I, at first I was kind of like, man, he's over managing this. But at the end of the day, like, there's not a whole lot you can do when Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman are just been horrible in the postseason this year. And uh, and give the Diamondbacks some credit too, because they had two really good pitchers. They had a good plan, uh, and their their kids hit. I mean, they Alec Thomas hit, uh, Corbin Carroll hit. Uh, you know, they just they played a good series. Uh, Tommy Pham was really good too. I mean, they they just Lourdes Gurriel was good. Like they they've got a pretty good team, and I know they've been a little inconsistent, but uh, you got to give them credit. They took advantage. Yeah. So the thing I was going to say is that we, I mentioned it on the live stream. This was the Diamondbacks team that we saw early in the season yeah. that came to play in the playoffs. Um, they had all of the energy in the world. Um, they had the timely hitting. They had the the big hits. They had just everything that they needed to do. They had it. Um, and I think that's the flashes that we saw at the beginning of the season. You mentioned their two big pitchers, Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen have historically struggled against LA, especially in LA. Um, Merrill Kelly had never beaten them. I think he had like an 11 ERA or something like that um, in Dodger stadium. And he threw, I think what six shutout innings um, or six innings of one run Um one run ball. And then Zach Gallon had really struggled against Los Angeles in his career too. And especially in LA, um, I think he had like a nine career ERA against them or something going into that game. And he threw a masterful game as well. Part of that helps that they had, you know, early leads right, right away. But, um, you know, their pitching stepped up, like you mentioned there, um, after notoriously having struggled there and everyone wants to blame Dave Roberts. I think this, he had a masterful job managing in the series being able to try and keep them into game two and in game three there. Everyone wants to ask why Lance Lynn wasn't pulled right away. He was rolling through three. Um, they didn't have anybody warming up. And then it just kind of happened like boom, 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 boom. Like you didn't even have a chance to get anybody warmed up at that moment. Um, but overall, I, I it comes down to the lack of the lack of offense and the lack of um, energy that this team showed. Um, I think combined Mookie and Freddie were one for 21 in this series. Um, one of those, it really should be two for, for 21. One of the Mookie hit a hard hit ball that hit off the pitcher's glove and they called it an air for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but it just, it, I don't know what's going on with Mookie right now. He, it, he seems like he's too aggressive to a point. He's usually a guy who's able to work counts and, and, uh, weighed out a pitcher and he was swinging really early in counts and then he was missing hanging pitches. I mean, there was sliders down the middle that he was missing um, just pitches that he should be able to crush. He was just couldn't do it. So obviously they need to figure out between the top two um, what they need to do. 
moving forward. But it just felt, I mean, obviously the pitching was a question mark, but the hitting just also showed no, no energy. They showed a, just like they thought they would figure it out or something, but obviously that didn't work. So David, what did you, uh, what did you think of this series? Yeah, I was, I, I, you know, I picked the Dodgers, right? I expected the pitching to be a problem. Um, but I also expected the Dodgers lineup to show up and kind of maybe rough the Diamondbacks back and it would kind of be a slugfest series. And I figured if it's a slugfest series, I trust the Dodgers over the Diamondbacks. And it was the Diamondbacks that pulled the lead, like you said, and I, I want to, you know, and they pulled away in each game and were able to hold those leads all the way through. They, I was really impressed with two big things on this Diamondback series that y'all didn't talk about yet. One was Gabriel Moreno. Um, it, I'm looking back, I'm thinking back to our, you know, discussion of his trade from the Di- uh, from the Di- uh, Blue Jays to the Diamondbacks for Dalton Varsho. Varsho was okay this year. He had like a like a 70 WRC plus, you know, he was, but he played the good defense and Gabriel Moreno was very, very good and instrumental in the Diamondbacks making the playoffs at all. Uh, he was one of the best defensive catchers in baseball and he had a above average WRC plus at 103 this season. He went in this series, I believe he had a grand slam. And then he was one of the four who hit a home run off Lance Lynn in the, in the fourth inning the one that hit he hit a home run down the line and it went foul by like a foot and they yeah. thought it was a home run so he ran around the bases and everything and then they and they, they reviewed it overturned it and the very next pitch he hit a bomb mm-hmm. to left center like that was gabriel marina that did that so yeah, yeah. He, that's a good point um I, I don't remember what our takes were on that trade but we said it was a win-win but yeah it, the thing that made it a win-win was that you know, Varsho was supposed to kind of elevate the Blue Jays, be a star, be their left-handed power hitter. He was not that this season uh, for the Blue Jays. But Gabriel Moreno looks like a superstar, you know, top five yeah. catcher in baseball type of guy. And he has come out in this playoffs and hit power. And he's shown a good plate approach. And he's not been overwhelmed by the moment. I'm very, very impressed with Gabriel Moreno. Yeah. The, the other thing I'm super impressed with was the the Diamondbacks bullpen. Kevin Ginkle was throwing <laughs> some really, really nasty pitches. Um, and there were other guys, and I'm trying to remember their names. Uh, there was a guy named like Thompson or something. I I'd never heard Thompson. of the guy. Yeah. Brian Thompson. He's never heard the, of that uh, guy. Raise. Yeah, was of course race. he did. Yeah, that guy. Never heard of that guy. He pops in throwing 99 hammer sliders. I'm like, of course, right? This is the playoffs, and. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that you have to pull out in the playoffs, just you know, random pitchers that you aren't expecting to to be dominant. You want those guys to come out and, you know, show up. You know, I think ultimately the Diamondbacks downfall is going to be that Merrill Kelly and Brandon Fott are just worse than the two three starters of the Phillies. But the bullpen of this Diamondbacks team with Paul Seawald, who looked great, had two saves, and Ginkle and Thompson like I, I think these guys can carry the the Diamondbacks in in the postseason. Joe Mantiply too. Like this is a good bullpen with really good pitchers who are unknown, and I was very very impressed by them. Uh, you know, during this during this postseason run. Yeah, it was just. I mean, they came in and like I said, they just dominated L.A. Um, so L.A. once again needs to. They've. Out of two years, they've only won one playoff game in the in the series, so they need to go figure out what they need to do. But uh, let's go over to the other um, series in the National League, and that was the Phillies and the Braves. It was the rematch of the NLDS from last year. Um, I think we thought this was going to be another highly anticipated series, um, and I don't think any of these games really let us down. Game one was a uh, – who was it? It was Strider versus – was. Suarez, right? Suarez. Suarez, yeah. Um, And I I think we all said that they were going to have to take game one. I mean, having Nola and Wheeler lined up for game two and three, they were going to have to do it. Well, Ranger Suarez pitched a great game. Spencer Strider pitched a pretty good one too, but he just got bit, I think, twice. Fourth fourth he gave up a run and sixth when they gave up the homer. One of them was unearned. But Philly was able to take game one in Atlanta, 3 nothing. That that was a massive, massive deal. Um, we said they had to steal one in Atlanta. Uh, game two, Atlanta came back, won it on a, just a wild ending. Or, I mean, the wild 
last couple innings there where they were down. Austin Riley hits a big homer uh, to give him the lead. And then Bryce Harper gets on at the end or in the ninth inning with, uh, with nobody out. He walks, they get another out there. And then Nick Castellanos hits a drive to right center field that everyone and everyone thought that ball was out of the stadium. Michael Harris makes an unreal play. Um, jumping catch at the wall to to rob it there. Harper was around second. They go ahead and get him out at first, or get him out at first, um, and and Atlanta's able to steal that game there. And that's when Orlando Arcia just made the biggest mistake of his life. And I'll let Matt go ahead and uh, <laughs> and continue on from that aspect. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I I don't really buy into the Arcia thing all the time. I mean, it's that's a that's something that you hear 99% of the time in clubhouses and everything. Occasionally you'll hear it caught on a mic. I remember earlier in the season that Pete Alonzo was caught saying, throw it again to Bryce Elder. And the Bra- and then the Braves came back and won and people all blamed Pete Alonzo. I-, I really think it's just typical stuff. And I don't know why, you know, I don't know why that became such a big story. I mean, of course, always the, you know, Bryce Harper. I don't think Bryce Harper was extra motivated to win playoff games because of that or anything like I think the crowd maybe was going to let Orlando Arcia hear it a little bit more in Philly, but that's pretty much the only thing that I felt like, you know, was, you know, a big deal with that. It's just, it's the bulletin board material. It's the typical bulletin board material. It's not going to motivate Bryce Harper anymore, but it just makes the scene even bigger. And then for Harper to immediately hit a homer in the next game and then a rounding second base, like give Arcia, I mean, I know he's probably looking towards his bullpen, but to give him the same, like, thing that he always does there it's like that was just too poetic and it's like it was the typical bulletin board material that you just can't give teams in the playoffs especially a team like philly who we know rides off this type of stuff yeah that's that's my thought on that is you know the the rca thing i don't think there is anything done wrong by really anybody even rca you know i think he's making a joke that said this Phillies team is very Michael Jordan-y, right? They're going to be like, and I took that personally. You know, they're going <laughs> to they're going to make up whatever they need to to go out there and and what you know finish the job to what they feel they failed at last year. Yeah, the thing with the other thing with Arcia, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he he wasn't no. even he didn't even he wasn't talking to the media. I mean, if he had said that to the media, then sure, maybe you don't you know get that out there. But he just joking around with his teammates and then people started reporting it. I mean, and I don't fully blame, I mean, there's a lot of people blaming the reporters for that. And, yeah. stuff. and I was like, I don't fully blame them. I'm, I'm just saying like, that's not a big deal. Like he did not do anything wrong. He did exactly what every single baseball player in the world does. I guarantee you that after Brian Snicker left Bryce Elder in the game, like four hitters too long and gave up a bomb, uh, that Harper was probably joking after the game. Ha ha. Snicker doesn't know what he's doing. Like, I mean, yep. I, so, I just thought uh, I, I don't buy into that too too much, but um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, if you look at the series as a whole, the Phillies ended up winning game three and four. Uh, game three was the blowout, and then game four was just a really close game, three to one, I think, was the final. Maybe yeah, it was three to one because we didn't get the second run. That we had a runner on third in the ninth inning, but we didn't get him in. Um, and uh, you know, you look at the series, and it felt like the Braves it, both the last two years it felt like they were so uptight in the postseason like they the world was all, all alone them i thought it was a little different from how the dodgers were uptight i think the dodgers kind of got shell shot when kershaw got smoked in game one like immediately um i think it just kind of but the braves that didn't really happen to the braves i mean they just came out and the bats just didn't show up at all i mean they were really it seemed to me like they they were tight and they felt the pressure and just, you know, you win 104 games and you've been, you know, that you're the best team, you're the most talented team, you're the best roster. And, you know, that pressure could just eat on you. And, and the Phillies are a loose, fun group. They, you know, they really, um, you know, they really came in saying we have nothing to lose and they were confident. Um, so that was a big deal too. And, and the Braves, I thought the pitching was going to be an issue, uh, but Strider pitched really well, both of his starts, you know, the bullpen for the Braves was awesome uh, in the series, which I think some people were concerned about, even though they had good numbers on the season. 
Uh, game three was really bad for Bryce Elder, and that was kind of a concern because, you know, that would have been Charlie Morton's start, and obviously they only scored two runs, so you don't know how much it mattered, but, uh, you know, the Brian Snicker left Bryce Elder in way too long. Like, he gave up a home run in the third inning to Castellanos, and then he got to let, let two guys get on base, and then for and then he let him face Harper uh, for the second time for unknown reasons, and Harper hit a home run, which of course he did, and it was four to nothing. And then Snicker left Bryce Elder in to give him two more runs, and you're just wondering what in the world he's doing. Like he's managing it like it's June, and I think the whole team kind of treated some of these games like it was June. Um, but uh, Gato, credit to the Phillies, they they did well. Uh, game game four was a really entertaining game. There's a lot of um, I think the Braves had some bad luck in game four, to be honest. They had some balls that were smoked that went right at people. And, uh, you know, it was unfortunate that they, you know, lost that one. Game five would have been a madhouse. Um, I kind of hate that baseball got robbed of any game fives in this uh, division series this year. But uh, definitely uh, disappointing for the Braves. And uh, But, you know, the Phillies did what they did last year, and, and they did what they continue to do in the postseason, and uh, they know how to do it. So. Big resurgence yeah. for Nick Castellanos after last postseason. Yeah. I think he had like a 40 WRC plus through the through the World Series run, and it, his best value had been defensively. Everyone was talking about Gold Glove Nick Castellanos because he made some diving catches, um, and then goes and hits four home runs in this series. I think four home runs in the last two games, if I remember. But he he just has turned it on. Uh, he hit the line drive that got Bryce doubled off in game two. Castellanos is like locked in right now, man. I think he hit home run game one of the of the NLCS too. Like yep. this dude, I, I love Nick Castellanos so much. He's he's the kind of guy who, um, he's very he's very he's just fun, man. He lo- he's fun. He has fun playing baseball, and um, you know, like you said, you know, he he kind of led this team and he, he and Bryce Harper and Bryce Harper doesn't need any motivation. That guy that guy wants a World Series ring bad. And you know Nick had the, the the ring celebration where he held up his ring finger and everybody thought he was flipping off the dugout and yeah you know, the, these these Phillies are very focused um, on that on World Series and I, I I respect that you know this is a this is a, a group that's really really strong and they've all kind of congregated together uh, via big signings and stuff to to go and and go for this ring. I should have known. I should have known when their international conflict started the yeah. same day as the NLDS that the break, yeah. that Nick Castellanos is about to go off. I was I was just about to say if you know what's <laughs> going on in the world and we know, we usually like to stay away from that. This yeah. Nick Castellanos hitting three seventy with a two sixty seven WRC plus and five homers come through the playoffs so far is the least surprising thing yep. that, that we've had happen. But um, so that was it. Basically, Diamondbacks, Phillies uh, won those series, so that sets up the NLCS matchup. But let's jump back to the American League side and talk about this Texas versus Houston series. Um, as of recording this on October 17th, we've already had two games happen, um, and they were both in Houston. Uh, game one was just, I think it was a, just a masterclass of pitching between both guys. Justin Verlander versus Jordan Montgomery. I think this lived up to the bill of what you would expect. Um, Jordan Montgomery looked flat out dominant. Justin Verlander looked really, really good until I think it was the sixth or the seventh when he he gave up one in the second, but the fifth was when he uh, he gave up his other one. Um, but it was just a really good game on both sides. Um, and then game two, there was um, there was some controversy in that one with how the uh, the ninth inning happened with Altuve being on base, or was it was it the game two or was that game one? It was game two. Uh, I think when he ran two. past second, Evan Carter made the yeah, jumping yeah, catch. That was game two. Okay, yeah. So it was game two where Altuve ended up getting on. They hit one to left off Chapman. Bregman did. I think it was in the eighth inning. They thought it was going to be a homer. Evan Carter made a great jumping catch um, in front of the wall, threw it back. Altuve ran back to first, but he didn't retouch second after he passed it. And a heads up play by Marcus Simeon. They did a, a slow motion view of it, and he looked directly at the bag as Altuve was going back around and saw that and challenged it and they got Altuve out because he didn't retouch the bag there um so basically Texas goes into Houston steals the first two games and now we're looking at Texas being up 2-0 heading back home um so Houston's gonna have to respond here but so far through the first two games what have you probably been most impressed with so far David yeah I was 
I'm not gonna lie, I've missed this one. Uh, I haven't seen either of these games. I've been. I actually did get to watch the Phillies and Diamondbacks game one, but not this one. Um, that said, very very impressed again with this Rangers offense being able to carve out runs and um, you know score against a, a really good Houston team. Um, that said, how weird is it that we've had two game deciding uh, tag up plays with a runner rounding second having to go back to first? That's yeah. that's crazy. You don't see that in you know whole entire seasons for teams at times. And we had two in the playoffs here that that decided two different games. I mean that's rather wild. Um, yeah, you know I, I'm super impressed with Evan Carter. You know we talked about a lot of the Rangers last Tuesday, and I, I think all that still applies. You know, Jordan Montgomery setting up to to get himself a nice contract. I you know this postseason performance has been really otherworldly. Uh, he and Aaron Nola, who is pitching right now for the Phillies are looking really good and they're making themselves some some money you're you're tacking millions on to whatever contract they're going to be signing uh this offseason both of them have been really really stellar uh so you know on top of that you know we've talked about Nady Evaldi as well you know he was probably the best free agent signed starting pitcher this offseason in an offseason where Jacob deGrom got signed and and you know Carlos Rodon and and a lot of names got paid a lot more than Nady Evaldi did but he has outperformed just about all of them uh and in the in the playoffs here he's been really really good for for the Rangers to pitch that Tuesday night last week and then pitched yesterday for the Rangers was very good again so um you know, Ivaldi's kind of kind of looking like one of those John Lester types, where he's kind of he's getting up there in playoff innings because he made a couple of runs with the Red Sox and he was good there too. And uh, we're getting to the point where he's a he's getting into the conversation for one of the better postseason pitchers, uh, at least of the last twenty years, but maybe of all time. Yeah, uh, I second that on Nate Evaldi. He has a career uh, 287 postseason ERA and a career 259 FIP in the postseason. Um, so that's a uh, very good, um, he never, he doesn't walk guys either, which is, that's such a big deal in the postseason. In the regular yep. season, you can get away with a few walks, but in the postseason, that's just, it's such a big deal not to walk guys. Um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of second you, David, on, on everything. I know, um, this series so far, I mean, the Rangers went through a, a, a spell through the middle of the season where they were very injured. Uh, but their team all year long has had this, like, has been one of the best three or four teams in baseball. I mean, just, it's just the injuries that they had in the middle of the season that they lost some games there. It got them on the, on the fringe of the playoffs. They ended up losing out on the division, but despite like missing, you know, two months from Corey Seager early in the, or a month from Corey Seager early in the season, they missed Josh Young for a long time, Jonah Heim for a long time. Um, you know, but despite that and, and the pitching injuries that they've had, which they've kind of brought back some guys now that, or they brought in, bought in at the deadline, but they were really thin in the rotation for a little while there after the DeGrom injury. Um, you know, it, the, it's been really good for the, I mean, the Rangers are, are legit. And I think the Astros are seeing that a little bit. The Astros, I feel like just all year, I don't think they've been as good of a team as the Rangers. I think the Rangers are just a better team. It just happened that the Astros didn't have as much poor injury luck outside of Altuve missing the first month. Like, um, I guess their pitching has pretty been injured all year, but they haven't pitched at all. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, I feel like this series, just the Rangers have a more, they're just a better team. And, uh, you look at the bullpens and the Rangers bullpen has been a problem spot for the second half of the season. And they've been good in the postseason so far. So that's been important for them. That's kind of been the problem that they've remedied. But, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I'll be surprised if, if the Astros come back in this series. I, I think the Rangers are they're starting Max Scherzer in game three, which it'll be interesting to see how he looks coming off the injury. Um, but, um, you know, they'll get another start from Jordan Montgomery, who's been really good. And they'll get another start from Evaldi, who's been really good. And, um, and Scherzer. So it's like you've got a – you know their rotation's looking pretty good right now, and uh, been very, uh, very interesting. Yeah, the like you guys mentioned, uh, the, it's going to come down to um, how does the Houston offense respond, and then how long can the Texas starters go? Because that bullpen, um, when you, they're really only able to trust like three or four guys right now, 
with really being Josh Spores, Chapman, and then Jose Leclerc. And two of those, you know, Spores didn't have a great regular season. And then Chapman and Leclerc, we've seen Chapman melt down before in the playoffs. Leclerc is, uh, you know, walk. He walks a lot. Um, you know, that can get you into trouble too. And if, if those guys have to be the three to consistently close out these games, I mean, we saw last night Houston tried or Houston made the game close in the eighth, eighth inning. And, you know, we did, I don't even think we really mentioned it. Texas jumped out to like a four run lead in the first inning against yeah. Rambo Valdez. I, and it was a five, four game to win it. Um, say, so Rambo Valdez has had his blow up starts in the postseason too. Um, yeah. You know, this what? year it's been really rough through his first two. He's had he got an 11 ERA in his two postseason starts this year. But I remember the World Series in 2021, he got blown up twice and given up like five runs in the first inning and getting pulled. So there's Listen, there's been times where he's struggled. He's really struggled in the whole second half. I think he has like yep. a 780 something ERA in the second half um, since like the beginning of Ju- or July. So he's obviously not prone to it, but if, if Houston keeps seeing spores Chapman and Leclerc over and over and over, if those are the only people that you're able to trust, um, it's, you know, if Houston keeps seeing those guys, they're going to start figuring it out, especially being in a division where they see them a handful of times throughout the year as well. Um, so I think that's really going to be a key as to watching late in this game or late in these games to see, uh, what it's really like if Houston, um, is able to keep it close enough where if they see those guys enough, they can start hitting them. But um, so predictions wise for this one, I think, no. So Matt and I have went with the Rangers. David, you went with the Astros here. Um, so obviously you suck already, but I mean, um, look, I'm trying to jinx the Astros, right? They, they already won a world series last year. We want to see the Rangers in there. All right. We're hoping <laughs> that I am wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and jump over to the, uh, to the national league championship series now. Um, and we had game one last night, game two is being played as we are, um, recording this right now. It is, uh, one, nothing in the bottom of the third on a Trey Turner Homer, uh, solo Homer. So it's two, nothing. Oh, they must have just oh, hit no, a Homer right yep, now. Yep. Kyle Schwarber just homered. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <Ooh>. Um, <laughs> That's the so, uh, best, best postseason hitter of all time, Kyle Schwarber, right there. Whew. Yeah, so in, in game one, um, you know, we knew it was going to be Wheeler versus Gallon. Uh, we thought it was going to be a, a, a great pitching matchup there. Wheeler lived up to it. Um, Gallon just got pretty much ambushed. I mean, first pitch that he he threw, Schwarber hit it, um, hit it out. I mean, the graphic wasn't even up on TBS by the time that Schwarber hit the ball. Um, and it was hilarious. I, I listened to the, uh, it was on on X this morning, the Diamondbacks radio call of like the pregame leading up right to when Schwarber hit it. They're like, yeah, you got to watch out for Schwarber here. He can make this game, um, you know, turn over in an instant. Da, 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 da. And like, they're like, on oh, the first pitch from Gallon, and he hits it. And the announcer's like, well, what did I tell you? It's one nothing Phillies. And like, it was just absolutely hilarious. Um, but, uh, you know, we said Nick Castellanos hit a homer, Kyle Schwarber hit a homer. Um, Bryce Harper hit a homer off of uh, Gallon as well. Basically, they just hit the solo homers there. Took a, took advantage of this. Arizona was able to scrape a couple in the sixth and one in the seventh to make it a five three game. But it kind of felt like that was a, a bigger than a two run gap at the end. Um, just with how much it kind of felt like Philly was kind of dominating this game here. Um, and then obviously they have Aaron Nola going tonight and through three he's looked pretty nasty as well and philly has a uh a two-run lead there and then it didn't help that merrill kelly also gave them more builds and board material um today i don't know if you guys saw that one or not but um he uh he basically said that philly's not that loud because he played against venezuela in the wbc okay that, that's um, probably that's probably not wrong because the wbc was absolutely insanely loud listen, you don't say that before you're going to pitch in philly though yeah He's given like, up two solo homers to Schwarber and yeah, Turner. Well, the, the Schwarber one was a wall scraper that wasn't hit very hard, but yeah, the Turner one was smoked. But I could just imagine the Trey Turner one in the first inning. I haven't been able to watch it yeah. yet, but like, I you just don't say that before you go and pitch in Philadelphia, which we already know is like one of the most ruckus crowds you're going to get to. But hey, uh, anyways, it's looking like Philly is on their way. I guess not on their way. It's in the third inning, but. Uh, Philly's been able to take advantage of this series so far, and they have a lead here in the third inning already. So um, 
kind of with what's happened so far and what we're kind of looking forward to, Matt, what do you think of this series um, so far and, and what to look forward to? Um, well, I mean, so far the Phillies have hit home runs and, you know, when Phillies hit home runs, they tough to beat. Um, you know, I think that the Diamondbacks haven't really done a bad job pitching to them, honestly. Um, you know, they haven't allowed a ton of base runners. It's just been solo homers. Um, I think yesterday the Phillies hit three or four homers and then, you know, yesterday's game could have gone either way. The, the Diamondbacks picked, put put a bunch of guys on base late in the game, put the tying run at the plate several times. They just couldn't break through, um, you know, and part of that's that the, the Diamondbacks lineup's just not as deep. Um, they've got four or five really good hitters, but then you kind of get down to the bottom of their order and it's like Perdomo's had, a, he's had a couple moments in the postseason, but he hadn't been great. Um, you know, you've got, um, uh, Alec Thomas has had a, he's had a couple of moments, but he's not a you know great hitter by any means. Like uh, you know you got Evan Longoria in there, who's great for his leadership, still plays pretty good defense at third, but he's not what he used to be. Like you've got a few spots at the back of that lineup that aren't aren't quite up to what you would you know you you would see like a, what you would expect a championship type team to look like. Um, and I think that's kind of hurt him a little bit. Um, but I mean they just got they got a hit. I mean, they got to hit a little bit better. And I mean, the pitching, you know, if you give up four or five runs in a postseason game, you feel like, you know, you might win half of those. So, um, you know, and Wheeler pitched well last night and Nola is pitching really well so far today. I, I remember during the Brave series against the, the Phillies, they talked a lot about how um, Nola had made a mechanical adjustment late in the season that really took his stuff really kind of took back off again. Cause he, he had struggled some this year and it definitely seems like that's helped him out because he's looked really good in both of his postseason starts. And he looked good at the end of the regular season as well, which, you know, for a guy who's pitched as many innings as he has in his last few years, like you wouldn't expect him to, you know, get stronger as the season went on. So that mechanical adjustment probably has really helped him. And um, I mean, I just, when you're the Diamondbacks, you kind of have to win tonight because you lost last night and, you know, you, you know the pitching matchups and you're about to go into a scenario where you don't know who's going to start game three and four. You're probably, I mean, you're, I, I, Brandon Fott's going to start one of them, but, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from him against the Phillies and you really want to get it back to Gallon and, and Wheeler. I mean, to get to Gallon and Kelly if you can. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I think the Phillies are probably going to, win this one though it was announced that gallon is starting um or not gallon uh fought is starting yeah. game three yeah i figured he was yep. starting game three but every time fought started in the postseason it's been more of a bullpen game um yeah you know and then i don't even know who would start game four for them i don't think they'd bring back i don't know if gallon would come back on short rest if they're down he would but they, 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 he might but um uh, i'm not sure who it would be it would have to be Nelson maybe, I guess. Um, I guess Nelson maybe. It might just be a straight up one inning per pitcher bullpen game too. It could be. It could be just a pure bullpen game. Yeah. Um, but I would assume if they're down, maybe uh, if they're. I don't know if they're down three zero if they bring Gallon back. But if they're down two one, then then yeah. maybe they they bring Gallon back to try and even it up, and then Kelly to try and take the lead because they're going to be at home for those two. Yeah. And then try and figure out going back to Philly, but yeah. Anyways, uh, David, so far of uh, this series, yeah. So you know the Phillies are doing more Phillies things, right? A lot of home runs. Kyle Schwarber said two more home runs that now ties him with David Ortiz and Jim Tomei and Alex Bregman. Coincidentally enough, though, Bregman has like way more plate appearances than any of these three guys um, in the playoffs for with seventeen. That's eleventh all time. Uh, in career postseason home runs for Kyle Schwarber. He also has the most career leadoff home runs in the postseason all time uh, with four uh, to lead off a game. So <laughs> Kyle Schwarber, man, I, I there's not much more I can say about him. He's he's entering a territory that's kind of uh, sacred, I think, in terms of postseason performance and uh, just kind of a, in terms of feared power hitters. It's, it's a tier that Jordan is quickly approaching as well. Jordan's got 12 homers but like six of them are this season and last season each so like you know those two guys might be some of the better power hitters in the postseason all time but 
you know, Nick Castellanos has, has been really good this postseason. Trey Turner, man, since the Philly crowd pumped him up, I'm pretty sure he's been like one of the best players in baseball. Um, and, you know, this Phillies team is just showing how important it is for, you know, a fan base to rally behind the team and then for the players to rally kind of around each other and, and be like well put together, like a chemistry you know, induced team because this this group really plays well together. They thrive off each other. They give each other energy. Uh, it's really evident in, in the way they play baseball. You know, they're very energetic. You know, we we know Bryce Harper. You know, like staring somebody down, running the bases. But it's like that's Bryce Harper's personality. You know, they've got funny celebrations. They're doing the uh, the thing from Major League and stuff. Like this is a group that's out here having fun in the postseason. They're playing so relaxed. It's still evident. Um, that you know they've carried it into this NLCS. They're up two zero uh, here in game two. They're already up one nothing in the series. Like I feel very comfortable with my Phillies pick, uh, and you know it's tough because this Diamondbacks team they're they're an upstart little team that believes they can win. But you know I think they're going against a group that feels like they've got some unfinished business, and I think that's very powerful. Yeah. Um, they've shown it so far. Um, so obviously, I think for for this one, it was kind of obvious that we all three picked the Phillies um, to to move on to this. So Matt has Phillies versus Rangers. David had Philly versus Astros. I had Phillies versus Rangers. Um, I forget our game picks. How many games did we pick this in? I had five and five for the Phillies and seven for the Rangers. I want to say I had six for this one, seven for Astros Rangers. You did, so, and I had yeah. five for Phillies, Diamondbacks, and six for Texas Astros. So um, that's where our, our uh, the game predictions for this series. So uh, anything else that we want to uh, to hit on real quick or wrap up before we head out? Um, I don't think there's too much. Um, you know, we're starting to hear some trickle out from teams, especially the ones who have recently been who have been eliminated from the playoffs about kind of you know the outlooks for the off seasons so we're kind of keeping an eye on all that stuff and uh you know i guess after the world series we will talk a lot more about that but um definitely you know everyone's kind of doing their postseason uh their postseason uh talks with the media and everything um we saw of course uh kim ing step down as the general manager of the marlins i don't think we've talked about that tonight uh might be worth bringing up um, they were a playoff team, and it sounds like they were wanting to put in a president of baseball operations. Um, and Kimming didn't want to stay if they, she wasn't going to have final call on everything. Which, I mean, I totally understand that wanting to leave if, if you're not going to have the call, if you're going to lose your, uh, um, you know, your um, your ability to make final decisions. So um, it'll be interesting uh, to see what the Marlins do there. They. I feel like they probably have somebody in mind if they were going to do that. I wonder if Heimblum well, would be an interesting move for them. But the, I don't know if you saw it, Matt. I thought I, thought I said it in the chat. The, the reason she stepped down is they wanted to hire a baseball, a president what, of baseball operations so, over her. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's, yeah, what, and that's what I said. It's, and, and it's one of those where – okay, I, I got you. I, yeah. I miss what you understood. Yeah, that, I just feel – I feel like with, with the success the Marlins had this year – that maybe, um, the, you know, maybe they have somebody they've really covered in mind that, like, like I, I'm kind of thinking Bloom might be a guy that they look at because he was with the Rays, which is the same, a similar situation to the Marlins with payroll and with, you know, just kind of the support that they get, um, you know, and I think that, I don't think it was a good fit for him in Boston because of that, that but I think with the, you know, with the Marlins, I think it's, um, that could be an interesting one to look for. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's going to happen or anything, but I just thought that might be an interesting thing. I, I definitely think they have somebody that they're that they really like in mind if they're going to do this to Kimming, where they're basically saying, "Hey, we're going to hire somebody over you." You know? Yeah. And it it felt like there was a mistake on the Marlins' part to believe that she wouldn't step down and go try to grab an equivalent or better job elsewhere because there's. There's a, suddenly rumors popping up that the White Sox are like, oh, maybe we should hire Kim Ng to, you know, oversee Chris Getz. And it's like, wow, mm. the White Sox, that would be the first good thing you've done in years, right? Like, this is a, 
a person who's gone out and been a very capable general manager and taken a team to the playoffs that, you know, very clearly was an under talented squad, which, you know, that, that puts on, that puts things on the coaching and the, the trades and the moves that have been made and, you know, the acquisition of talent. And it was all very good. And it's very clear that she has a bright future. I, I'm sitting here like, how did the Marlins fumble this bag? Promote her Hire Chaim as the under underling guy. Let her make the final decisions because it's her team. And, you know, you, you've got a playoff, a team that's been to the playoffs and you've got a lot of talent. You've got a lot of trade pieces like that's a that's a Marlins group that could very feasibly, you know, go, you know, go and make some moves this offseason and be a better team next year. And you could have improved your leadership. And instead, now you're kind of hunting you know, back to square one. And it's, you know, you, they've got a bunch of guys in arbitration now. It's possible those guys are on the block. Like this is a, a disaster for the Marlins. I. That's a, I, not a good move. I don't. I don't really think that that's. It's a disaster for them. Uh, I just think that they want a different direction. And I mean, Kimming. Kimming did a good job for them. But I will say that they. You know, it's not like they had a super talented roster or anything. Like they had some right. really cl- really good luck in one run games. Um, it took a absolute choke job from a couple of different teams for them to make the playoffs to start with. And they were obviously outclassed by the other playoff teams. So it's not like they had just acquired all this incredible talent, you know, and that they were this great team that was built like, and Kim Ng was doing a good job. I don't think she should have been fired. I don't think they probably shouldn't have promoted somebody, but I don't really think it signifies that they're blowing everything up, even though that yeah. has been something the Marlins have done a couple of times. I really don't think that's the case here. I, I think it's more of just, um, you know, I think they have somebody in mind that they want to run things. It's it's definitely not a hundred percent indicative of the Marlins' direction this offseason because yep. it's they, they were trying to get someone over and she stepped down voluntarily. This is not a Marlins firing her, but you know, I think it's possible they have to go that way now because they their ownership's not going to provide you know umpteen millions of dollars to sign more players. They never have. there's there's multiple dynamics here we're definitely going to talk more about it when yeah we figure out where she goes where they hire or who who they hire to to take over this president of baseball operations slash gm job whatever they want to they want to end up actually doing here but um it's it is a head-scratching move why they would let her go after forming a team that was went to the playoffs i mean well, it was the 2020 season, but before that, when was it that they were the playoffs? 2003. Yeah, so it's 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 a head scratching move that they would be willing to do that after some of the moves she's made to bring them a competitive team as well. Um, yeah. There are some rumors about the Boston job. A lot of people have turned that down. Maybe she wants to go there because she has a relationship with Alex Cora too, and a team that's actually going to be able to provide some money. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be a weird dynamic. Um, we'll definitely talk about it when we. Uh, figure out all the uh, the movements for uh, these people in the off season, but um, just looking for the playoff series right now. They've been fun, um, and go watch the Phillies if you're uh, listening to this live on YouTube. But we tried something new here this time. Well, it went live on YouTube for it. Uh, I don't think it completely worked the way I wanted it to, but hey, uh, we'll figure it out here and uh, we'll move on. And next time we talk to you will be next Tuesday would be game seven of Diamondbacks Phillies if that happens. Um, And if not, then we'll have it all figured out by that point. And the World Series would start on, what was it, Saturday? Friday. Friday the 27th. So um, we'll have it all figured out by that point. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys back next week.